Quick, come up with something funny to say. Hello? Yo. Bork. Oh, that's really cool. Somehow I think you're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, fail. Oh. Ah! Bad Philosophy, episode 58, recorded on February 1st, 2010. Banana Pancakes. Hello, everyone. Welcome and one to Bad Philosophy, upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time. I am Stephen Torrance, your host, and this is episode 58. I'm joined today by another newcomer to the show. We've uh, resumed our trend of having new people who've never been on the uh, the show as an official guest before. Well, that's not entirely true. I know. it's it's. Uh, she has been on as, as Bad Philosophy's first ever caller, but now she's on as a full-fledged guest. Margaret Cameron, welcome to the show. Hello. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, I'm Margaret. I'm a student at University of Washington in Seattle. I make video blogs and uh, put them on YouTube, <laughs> and people watch them. Um, oh, For some also, very strange reason. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's. I don't understand it myself. Also, uh, kind of a BF fangirl, so. Being on the show right now is a little weird and a little surreal, so if I say anything, like, exceptionally uh, stupid or ridiculous... We'll love you even more for it, because that's what we do here on Bad Philosophy, is say things exceptionally stupid all the time. So, uh, and most of those exceptionally stupid things come from RBF mainstay, you know him, you love him, Kevin Saunders. What do you want? What well, we always want, Kevin, your over-opinionated voice. I'm eating pizza. <laughs> well, you can continue eating pizza because I'm going to start this little show off with uh, sort of a monologue. Um, no, as no, some no, of no. you, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> not a mumblelogue, an actual monologue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is that is that a new kind of of blog, by the way? A mumblelogue? We've got a tumblelogue. I could I could totally write it. It's just you just kind of write in M's and U's and H's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll read like Frankenstein's blog. The and just you know, throw, throw an intelligible blog. word in there every once in a while. You know, George Bush. Yeah, <laughs> I think it could work. The mumble log. Margaret, go start that. <laughs> mumble log. Oh, yeah. that'll that'll get my subscribers happy. Yeah. Just for me, because I'm doing research. What's your uh, YouTube handle? Uh, it's just Margaret. Not okay. J U S T. Just just Margaret. I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. The, two the handle is just Margaret. Yes. It's, okay. It's confusing. I didn't know that it was going to be that difficult when I made it. Because <laughs> I say. Margaret, they're like, oh, you're the only Margaret on the internet. Like, no, they're words put together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this BF is already going down the rabbit trail because we're doing the plugs at the beginning. Whoa. Well, I have to do my research, so. <laughs> yeah, your research. Right, whatever. All right. Well, anyway, off to my off to my monologue here. So, as as some of you might know, I recently went to uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, specifically downtown Dallas, the convention center, right on Griffin Street, and uh, did a little audition for a nationwide TV show known as America's Got Talent. Um, the long That's and all you can legally is, say. 
<laughs> I can say everything that that uh, that preceded my signing of a a very rigorous non disclosure agreement. Um, that that by the way, very oddly applies in perpetuity throughout the universe. It, it begins with that. I guess I guess so that um, no one can say, well, it only applies here on Earth, and if I leave the planet. <laughs> and steal the signal. <laughs> <laughs> this contract doesn't apply to me. <clears throat> Honestly, are you, are you kidding right now, or is that serious? I'm not kidding. <laughs> that wow. uh, that was the actual language in the contract. And oh my goodness! It was not the only Gotta ridiculous thing in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll talk Could you about take that. Pictures of the contract. Do you have a copy of it? I. I do. I, okay. I have it as an attachment to my email. Uh, Fair enough. So, you know, I could pull out some things from the contract. I am allowed to talk about that, but everything after I sign the contract, I am not allowed to disclose. However, I can give a little backstory on, on what led up to this. Uh, back in, I believe it was November at some point, um, after my, my Miley Cyrus video had reached its apex of uh, viralness, Virility, uh, vir- vir- virality. I don't know <laughs> what the what the proper term is there. Uh, I got a message on YouTube from uh, a producer at NBC named uh, Shweta, and she basically, in, in not in so many words, but basically said, um, "We like your act, and we encourage you to audition for America's Got Talent." Um, the auditions are coming up in January in Dallas, and here's the information. So, um, I basically figured at the time, ah, what do I have to lose? So signed up for it and, you know, the months went on and, uh, this past weekend, which was my birthday, I am now 22, by the way. Yeah. You're old. I know I'm older. I'm, I'm too, uh, Baker's. No, no, no. Never mind. Don't, don't I'm not, I'm not Baker's decades old. Don't think 26. <sighs> well, Baker's decade could be 11 years. It could. A baker's dozen is, you know, a dozen plus one. So a decade could be, you know, eleven from this de- or ten from this decade, one from next decade. Sure. So I'm two baker's decades old. There, we just invented a unit of measurement on that <laughs> philosophy. I think. I don't think it's as the- common as a milliwheaton yet, though. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I turned two decades old uh, this past Saturday, and. Baker's decades. Two Baker's decades old this past Saturday. And <laughs> it, on the same day that I auditioned. Or a score it, point one. Right. So, um, I can't really say much about the exact details of it, but it was, in a word, anticlimactic. <laughs> and it is now over, and um, I, I cannot say anything more than that. <laughs> and it's now point. over. <laughs> You auditioned, and then you were done. I basically signed away my, my right to uh, publicly disclose any any and all information regarding the audition, the show, or my involvement in it, blah, 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 blah. Um, so what in we're going to talk about in perpetuity throughout the universe, down all rabbit trails, wormholes, and alternate universes. Oh, maybe... maybe no, there, alternate universes shouldn't oh, be covered. alternate universes are okay. So if I happen to like slip into a parallel dimension... I could. So would you have to? Would it have to be demonstrably a different dimension, or? I so, I mean, Honestly, if that comes up in court, I think if you're in a different dimension, you have bigger concerns than how your audition for America's Got Talent went. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if he just... also auditioned in that parallel universe? 
Right. Of, and signed a, a similar uh, NDA in that but, parallel But that universe. wouldn't have been you. That would have been somebody else. Yes, it would. So I, I could potentially annul the contract from one and sell the content from one universe in the other universe. <laughs> this could be a business model. It could. It could. Um, by the way, Kevin, I, I want to yeah. go on to our another rabbit trail. I did read, uh, as per your suggestion, The Forever War, uh, uh, which is, is actually a different Forever War than the one I'm reading for my class, by the way. Really? Uh, yes. The Forever War that we have is by Dexter Filkins, and it's uh, uh, a documentary or a, a journal of this one reporter's experiences in the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. Well, I'm sure it's good, too. Mm. And uh, so, yes, I I read The Forever War over my uh, audition weekend, and it was, you know, it wasn't great. I've definitely read better sci-fi, but it did bring up some interesting issues that I I don't think have been covered in quite that style anywhere else. Um, Namely, like you said, the the idea of um, living in relativistic time. So... He does. He experiences, the main character experiences like a th- uh, 1,100 years worth of Earth time in the span of maybe 20 years subjective time for him. And I, it got me thinking about, you know, all these issues because so things arise, you know, <laughs> the way that they have to uh, manage ships and people that are in, you know, disparate uh, universes essentially because really i mean if you if you woke up 200 years from now technology is completely different you know everyone you yes. know is dead uh how do you relate to that and yeah, the, the book kind of dealt with those issues in a few ways so that uh this whole multi-universe contract thing kind of got me thought thinking about that yeah yeah for what it's worth joe haldeman was like in his 20s when he wrote the book oh wow um i'm, I'm double checking it he would have been... No, nah, he was older than that. Never mind. He would have been 30-something. Hmm. I was wrong. I thought he was younger than that. So pretty, you know, early in her career. Yeah. Oh, it was his first major published work. And a pretty good one. I, I'd say a great debut act. It yeah, won, it won a Nebula Award. I think it... Did it win a Hugo? Uh, let me check. Nebula, uh, Hugo, and Locus Awards. Okay. Very cool. Well, so that uh, the whole multiple universes thing just kind of reminded me of that and uh, wanted to mention it before it slipped my Understandably. mind. But what I want to talk about on the show today, uh, and it's, it's something that we may have sort of touched on before, but never really in this detail, is this whole, um, this whole interplay between uh, these sorts of old media shows, America's Got Talent, American Idol. Uh, Star Dan- Search. Yeah, Star Search, uh, So You Think You Can Dance. All of these these reality television talent shows that have sort of arisen in the last decade and uh, and really come to prominence here in the United States as an entertainment medium. You know, what's the relationship between those and YouTube and, you know, efforts like what Jonathan Colton has put together and sort of these independent uh, developments of, of talent? Um, so I just want to open it up first off, and uh, you know, Kevin, I know you've said a lot, and you've got probably a lot more to say, but I want to open it up to our uh, <laughs> our newcomer on the show first. So, Margaret, what are your uh, initial thoughts on this subject? Um, well, the, my problem with America's Got Talent is that I think that it's too broad, and I mean, even in America's Got Talent specifically because it is so broad. Talent is very. Uh, varied um and yes. i don't think that it's 
I don't think it's fair or I think that the idea of comparing talents that are completely just such a something as broad as talent is I think that's a flawed idea. And I mean, even within shows like American Idol, which technically everyone has the same talent, I don't think that it's I don't know, I don't think it can be done because there's so, I mean, even within just singing, there's so many different types of singing you know, that can be done. singer isn't going to win American Idol is what you're saying. Exactly. exactly yeah. Well, and I think so you bring up you bring up the first like fundamental philosophical problem with these shows is is kind of the incommensurability of all of the um, contestants and all of the different styles in which the contestants perform. And I think Kevin, you've you've talked about the whole. Well, you and I have talked about in private the idea of genre before. And yeah, you know, what, what are your what are your thoughts on this in relation to this subject? Um, I don't know that the idea of genre comes in, um, but certainly there's there's the nature of objectivity of, of quality yeah. uh, or so-called objectivity of quality is very interesting. Um, and these shows sort of bypass that, at least in their later stages, by having it as a, as a popularity contest. You know, more people want this per- like this person than somebody else. And that's not saying that one is objectively better than the other, um, but rather saying that, you know, more people like you. So we're going to make more money when we sell your records than anybody else's. Right. Um, but I think in, in the case of like America's Got Talent that, that Margaret kind of brought up, this idea of, of these dis, just dichotomies, not even dichotomies, you know, multiple poly, polyamorous, that's not the right word. <laughs> um, oh, some of them might be. <laughs> well, who knows? I don't, I don't know these people. But these, this, this multitude of talents... Um, which is, is a selling point for America's Got Talent. You know, American Idol, it's about singing. Um, mm-hmm. So you want to be your next dance crew is going to be about dancing. <clears throat> Excuse me. America's Got Talent, you know, says they're open to all ages, any, any age, any talent, which is a very American idea mm. in and of itself, um, that you know, anybody can, can succeed. But when you get down into it, the the actual people who kind of decide who go on are are making these judgments saying well this is this is good this is not yes exactly um, it, it really is the illusion of choice uh you you know you've got mm-hmm. a, um in, in 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 all cases i think this is true you've got an initial board that reviews kind of everybody that applies um, yes and then you know weeds out the ones that are i guess to them obviously not talented or not yes. talented in the way that they're looking for I'm and a, then uh, and then I'm, so I'm they, then, they then sort of present this you know this this platter you know this menu mm-hmm. of different options that the the american people can vote on um i'm reminded of one example from america's got talent because I, I watch it occasionally it's not like musty tv or anything um but sharon osborne is one of the the judge celebrity judges and one season an ozzy osborne impersonator was on the show um and it's one of these things that i mean mind you I don't know why he was picked to go on. I'm sure it was because he was an Ozzy Osbourne impersonator, not because of his talent, but because Sharon Osbourne was there. And, you know, she loves her husband. We know that from the Osbournes. They're very close. So he he starts doing his thing, and she's just shaking her head. She's, you know, very, very animated, just like, no, no, and throws the X down immediately because because of the, the background there that was yeah. more deciding. Like, I didn't hear him sing. I don't know how good he sounds like. He doesn't look like Ozzy Osbourne. He, a, a, he's way too fat. I mean, it's, it, I have nothing against fat. I'm fat. But um, You, you have a thing well, against inaccurate impersonations. <laughs> he did, yeah, he, Ozzy Osbourne is famous for that, that rail-thin, heroin-injected look he has. Yeah. 
And when you don't look like that, it's hard to do. An Elvis impersonator can pull it off because you have skinny Elvis or fat Elvis. That works. Um, I've seen, you know, female Elvis impersonators who pull it off. You know, sex doesn't have a problem with it. You just got to look like Elvis, um, be it through makeup or whatever. And so, I mean, he didn't, he barely had to sing. He was axed out almost immediately. Um, but was that because he wasn't a good impersonator or was it because he wasn't Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon Osbourne, his wife was on the panel of judges. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I, I, I have a feeling and, and I'm going to talk about, cause I don't know if Stephen can't, um, just through my own investigative research that, you know, the way these shows are, are handled is you audition in front of, of a producer, basically, um, first, when you do these shows. And I, American Idol is the same way. You audition in front of a producer before you audition in front of the celebrity judges because the producer is the one who's putting up the money to go do this thing. They're the ones, and sometimes the, the celebrity judges are producers. That doesn't mean that they're the ones doing the auditions or not. I don't know. And then you're later called back. So when you watch America's Got Talent, um, and they say, you know, we're here in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and they show the big group photo of everybody in Atlanta, Georgia going, blah, hey, America's got talent. <laughs> and then they catch these big long lines of people doing stuff um, and, uh, you know, waiting around, talking, all this sort of stuff. And that's all filmed two days ago in Dallas, for example, or Friday, whenever it was in Dallas. Um, a lot of that is filmed right then. But then they immediately they show the show talking to one person there and then cut to them walking on stage. And it's very much given the illusion of that person walking in from that big, long line, giant group of people, you know, or Atlanta, Georgia, woo, to walking on stage in front of the celebrity judges. Exactly, yeah. Not the case. They, they see this producer, and then they have callbacks. There's all stuff that is available on the American Got Talent website. I don't know if Steven's allowed to say this because he signed his big NDA, but they give the information out. So Sure, I, and, and I can probably say, you know, yeah, that's exactly, I can <laughs> confirm that that's what I experienced, and, and, you know, because you brought that up. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I can't give out details as to how my specific instance of that process went. Okay, well, I don't know how yours went, because I don't yeah. care. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about bigger issues here. And this, this sort of, and this is a big thing, you know, we, we use the term reality TV, although I think a better term for these shows is, is competition shows versus reality yeah. TV, because, because you're not seeing reality, and nobody thinks you are. I mean, some people probably do. Mm-hmm. Heck, until I started investigating this stuff, I thought that's how it was. I thought they said... Every single person who showed up to audition in front of this giant panel of judges, I'm thinking, that must take weeks, because I didn't think about it enough. Um, because, you know, you get 90 seconds to do your thing in front of a group of, you know, a different panel of judges, or even a single judge, I don't know, and Stephen can't tell us. But, you know, it's a, it's a guy in a suit, you know, probably not in a suit, it's a guy who's paying the bills, who decides whether or not he wants to see, or she, wants to see you on TV, not whether or not you're going to do things. But even beyond that... I realize I'm ranting, but I do that anyway. <laughs> Beyond that, the further, you know, knockdowns that are done by the, the judges rather than by the audience voting are often based on what the prize is. Um, if you look at America's Got Talent, your prize is a, is a contract in Vegas. And a million dollars. And a million dollars. Which, you know, that's nice. But, that's, but the, the contract in Vegas is a big part of that. You know, are you a Vegas-friendly show? Yeah, exactly. Terry Fader, who won a couple years ago, very Vegas. He's the, 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 I'm, I'm doing mimicry with my hands, but nobody can see me. Um, the ventriloquist act who does impersonations and sings in the style of people while doing ventriloquism. I mean, yeah. so he, he, he's very, that's a very Vegas act. It's very showy. It's, it's two pounds smashed together. Uh, I love him. He, I, I wouldn't go pay to see him, but I love him. Um, but it's a very Vegas act. 
Other things don't fit that as well. And so that's something that kind of comes into play. American Idol, you know, this, it's, not, it's not country western idol, so that you have to sing pop music. Yeah. Uh, Rockstar, there were two versions, Rockstar NXS and Rockstar Supernova. NXS one was a much better version because um, they were auditioning a, a new lead singer for the band NXS, whose lead singer had died. Next Great and, American Band, I remember that one. I don't remember that one, but um, Rockstar NXS I loved. I was, I was deep in the heart with one of the guys, um, but he didn't win, and it wasn't really because he wasn't the best musician or the best lead singer there. He wasn't the best lead singer for the band NXS. Hmm. And, and, you know, I, I was upset for a long time because I really wanted this guy to win. I was like, yeah, why isn't he winning? Marty Casey was his name, in case you know, you know he's listening. Uh, <laughs> I was rooting for you, Marty. <laughs> I voted for you. Um, you're in this, seriously, right now, stop the, stop the track. Go YouTube Marty Ooh. Casey. I'm uh, not Stephen. People listening. Go oh. Marty <laughs> Casey. C-A-S-E-Y. Crap. Well, um, yeah, we're going to Did you stop to, recording? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh my God, Steve! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I will kill you if you actually stop the recording. Oh, anyway. You said stop the track. I... Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm making rude gestures at you. Um, YouTube, Marty Casey, hit me, baby, one more time. You will be blown away. It is haunting. You would never imagine a Britney Spears song could sound so amazing. Okay. That said, he wasn't the right guy for the job. It took me a while to get to that, but he wasn't the right guy for the job. And whoever is doing it now, good for him, because mm-hmm. he was the right guy for the job. But that affects it. That affects this early on sort of judgment of who's going who's gonna to get it that the audience doesn't have any participation in. Um, it's very much a controlled popularity contest. That's yes. the point I'm trying to make. So, so, Margaret, did you have any follow-up thoughts on that? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can start listening again everybody who's listening at home after you've watched that video but not until after you've watched it so so now that we've sort of established our our uh, our beefs our our problems with this, this sort of model <laughs> you know let's let's look at maybe some of the benefits before we move on to uh comparison yes. with with the internet so what what are some of the things that that y'all see that uh you know these reality shows have uh cultivated you know maybe good things that have come out of it and we'll start with margaret okay i'm going to take something that you uh already said to me prior to the show, sure. uh, which is that these shows are for people who don't necessarily know how to market themselves outside of being on a reality show. And that's like the only option they can come up with is to like, they don't know how to put themselves out there and be recognized mm-hmm. with the internet or with you know, YouTube or anything like that. They don't, they aren't familiar with that. So it, it is a way of uh, shedding light on their talents without if, and they don't um, know how to do it otherwise? I don't, I don't know that I agree with that necessarily, because I, I have two counterexamples. I, I understand that point, and that's okay. probably the case for a lot of things. Um, but there's, there's a couple cases where that's – and these are, these are not the big-name reality shows that I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, Last Comic Standing and then uh, Rockstar, which I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, Last Comic Standing had a – I mean, their prize was a Comedy Central special, or later it was a different special because their, their contracts changed. But it was a lot of the comics on it, particularly, um, I'm trying to see if I can find a season of who was on it. Um, uh, anyway, a lot of the comics who were on it um, were famous before that. Um, were 
or not famous, but had had were successful. Bill Dwyer, I think, is a good example. If this is who I'm thinking of, he was on his fourth season. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was a, a, a stand-up comedian and game show host. He hosted GSN's Extreme Dodgeball. I've got a secret. He's done lots of different <laughs> things. Extreme no, that, that, that sounds cool. Uh, he worked on BattleBots when it was on Comedy Central. That, I mean, this is the guy. You know, I watched that show. Uh, I'm doing you know, another rabbit trail, but whatever happened to the robot fighting shows? Did we just like get bored with them? It was, it was too early. It was before its time, man. Oh, there were robot fighting shows. I, oh my I, god, Margaret, you never saw these? No, oh. I didn't watch. Oh, BattleBots is a great one. This was early two thousands. Was I guess the heyday of of these it shows? It was. It was. Um, there were a few. BattleBots was was the biggest one, right? Robot Wars was another one. Yeah. Um, there were, there were a few different ones, but um, and, and yeah, they, they would basically there would be um, a big arena, um, usually like and people would build robots to destroy each other. Yeah, others robots. <laughs> Well, that's kind of awesome. I don't. I'm. I'm upset that I missed that. I, I think you need to. Uh, you oh, need to pull some fast. of this up. Yeah, they, I remember watching these with my family way back in the day, and uh, yeah, we would we would root just like kind of in these reality TV shows. We would root for oh, yeah. certain yeah. robots and teams. <laughs> and, well, did you root for the? Definitely not the others. Did you root for them what because of the robots, or or were the usually the people robots. who built the robots part of? the show at all? Or? No, I think the robots were definitely the characters. They were, but it was mostly the robots. The robots yeah. were the focus. Okay. okay. I mean, you would see the people controlling the robots, but you cared about the robots, not yeah. the people. Believe it okay. or not, the, the um, one that, that actually ended up doing the, the most, uh, or winning the most, was one which was simply built to flip other robots over. <laughs> that was his whole thing. Yeah. But uh, he, I mean, it was amazing, because... It was a very simple bot. It was it was very sturdily built, but it had a big arm that would flip the and flip them over yeah. and destroy them. I mean, it was it, its sole weapon was this hydraulic lift mm-hmm. that just flipped them over really quick. And um, it worked. Oh, awesome! It worked until yeah, but, they but, until but, somebody but, built a robot that could work on on uh, both sides. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But okay. So but the point I was trying to make was that Bill Dwyer was on Last Comic Standing, and had already had a, had a relatively successful career and had been able to market himself. Probably had a, had a you know, what's the guy, agent, there's the thing, yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> um, in a, uh, rock band, in excess, um, had a number of successful people on it who had done other things. Um, Kerry, no, we, we, Marty Casey had a band. I mean, he had a relatively successful band. They'd written, they'd produced a record. Um, one of the other top three or four finalists had been on Broadway and had, had, you know, had the lead in Rent. I mean, these sorts of very big things. So there, that, while that's maybe the case of some of these bigger ones, that it's, it's people who don't know how to market themselves any other way, I think, I mean, it's, it's also been embraced by people who have marketed themselves and just trying to get even a bigger, you know, this is, this is the thing that everybody wants. American Idol is the biggest show on television right now. <laughs> and so it's not that you can't market yourself, but that, that is marketing yourself. Hmm. That is going out there and, and getting yourself where you need to be seen. Well, well, maybe we can clarify this a little bit more. Um, okay. What I was let, specifically... let me rant and then you can clarify. <laughs> yeah. Because um, <clears throat> I, th- I think the idea that we're, we're trying to get at here is, is marketing via new media, you know, non-traditional means. Um, and that would be through, through things like YouTube and using social media to get your name out there, uh, which is definitely been the case for artists like Jonathan Colton. Um, Jonathan Colton pretty much built his fame on the internet. 
he started, you know, putting songs out on a blog and fans shared his music on the internet. Um, and it, and it, he became, you know, as, as the saying goes, an internet rock star. So, he, mm-hmm. and then he picked up a traditional career of going around and touring and doing shows and releasing CDs, but it was very much, you know, spurred by, uh, non-traditional means. He, you know, he didn't have an agent. He didn't have, um, he didn't have a show that discovered him and gave him a break. He didn't have some big wave producer make him sign a contract and then sell his CDs. Um, he, he did it all himself, um, and then as he gradually got input, uh, income from the fans, he was able to hire people and, you know, eventually move into the, the traditional world. Um, but I think we're seeing that a lot more with, with internet celebrities, as they're called, um, of folks building a brand for themselves on the internet using free tools uh, like YouTube and Twitter um, and just using their own savvy to kind of, and, and viral videos and such, to get the word out there. Um, my fame, if you want to call it that, pretty much started the same I way. I, I got. Well, I think fame is relative. Um, you can have. You can be famous. Well, that's, a point I, well, that's a point I want to make up here in a minute. But, okay, yeah, so right. keep talking. But, but yeah, so you know, my my fame, my break came when someone, uh, you know, was probably trolling the internet and um, looking for interesting stuff and decided to repost one of my videos on a relatively um, well-read entertainment news website, Pop Eater. Um, Still need to send that person a cake or something. (laughs) (laughs) Because literally without without that, I probably would be just as obscure as I was beforehand. Um, But because of that now, I have... You know, a couple thousand people on a fan page on Facebook and many thousands that watch my videos on a regular basis and, you know, got the the clout to do things like go on stage with Jonathan Colton and go on an audition for America, America's Got Talent. Uh, and that just wouldn't have, have happened without the the freedom and flexibility that the Internet provides. Um, but, you know, before you make your point, Kevin, I want to talk with Margaret because, Margaret, you're, you're someone who's very familiar <laughs> with, with the YouTube community, probably definitely a lot more than, than I am. Um, oh, yeah. Can, you, can no. you think of some other examples of, of folks who have built up uh, fame just on YouTube and just using the Internet? Oh, please, give me something more specific, something challenging. <laughs> God. Um, I, this is my version of a what? softball, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, let's see. Well, probably what one of the most prominent for me and actually one of the more famous ones would be John and Hank Green. Um, mm-hmm. their two brothers. I don't think they had any intention of anything amounting from this little project that they started, but it did, uh, for one year in, I think it, I think it was 2007, they decided that they would not communicate textually at all no email or letters or anything um just they would just communicate um through video blogs every other weekday to each other and this was sort of when youtube was just beginning and just getting started and and they just grew with youtube they got a huge following as they were both really nerdy and uh clever and just made progressively better videos, better quality. And now there's just a giant fan community and Hank uh, writes, writes music. He, every, every Wednesday that he had during the year, he had to write a song. And so then he ended up with all these songs and he decided to put them out, put them in an album 
and sold copies. And now he has a second album out. He's gone on tour. Uh, John is an author, and he he talked about his first book, which came out before he started this YouTube thing. Um, he the day it was released, he went to the bookstore. They didn't have a copy. He went home and ate soup. And the second book he released was uh, on the we got it onto the New York Times bestsellers list hmm. because of YouTube. Yeah. And, so, and that yeah, that's a perfect example. I mean, and they did this all yeah, did, without an agent. Did you say what the agent. project was called already? What's that? I wasn't listening. Did you say what the project? Did you say what the project was called? Because I mentioned. Oh, okay. I know what project you're talking about. I just didn't know if you had mentioned what it was called. I didn't. Uh, their YouTube channel is uh, Vlog Brothers. V L O G Brothers, and the project is called Brotherhood 2.0. And yeah, I knew what I, it was called because I actually watched it when I was going on. Huh. Oh, yeah. Some of it. I mean, because I, I, I was aware of it when it was happening. I didn't watch it regularly, but it was all... So, I mean, it's a good story. Keep talking. Sorry. I, mean, I, I was interrupting. Now, now, Kevin, you don't consider yourself a nerd fighter, though, do you? No, I'm, I'm not a nerd fighter. Okay. I watch it occasionally <laughs> during the year. I'm, I'm yeah, not see, that's, that big of a fan. That's, that's the interesting thing. I didn't even hear about it until... Uh, I started watching them at the beginning of 2008, which was after their year of video blogs had stopped. So I had a lot of catching up to do. But um, I didn't know about it at all before then. And I, I now I consider myself a nerd fighter. Yeah. By the way, nerd fighters are people who watch these videos for the people listening. If you don't know what that means. Now they do. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's just, that's just one example. I mean, and then I... There are plenty of others that I could mention. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bo Burnham. Um, Bo Burnham, Julia Newman. I hate, yeah. I hate Bo Burnham. Uh-oh. I'm just going to wave my arms real Uh-oh. quick. Uh-oh. I don't like, I just don't Fight. find him fun. <laughs> okay. I think. It hurts a little bit. This, yeah. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a jerk, but I have to get it out there. Okay, and you know what did it? What did it for me was the thing that, like, that brought Bo Burnham to my attention, even, was his song about math. I don't know why, but I, unlike apparently every other nerd in the world, did not love the song. Hmm. I found it stupid and annoying, and that's where my hatred of Bo Burnham began. Speaking of people we hate who made it successful on the internet, <laughs> uh, we've mentioned them before, but I want to I want to briefly mention Fred. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> and apparently Margaret hates as well. I don't know if you depend on him. I haven't really watched this stuff, but I watch. And I'm going to admit this on the internet because nobody listens. Um, I'm lying. People apparently listen. Anyway, I watch iCarly, which is a, a show on Nickelodeon kind of about this whole internet fame thing. And Fred Fun was show. on iCarly. Yeah. Fred was on an episode, um, which I thought was incredible that, you know, he had taken this internet thing and gotten himself on TV from doing sped up videos of him talking like a four-year-old or whatever yeah. it was. Um, that, which, which was generous. impressive. I mean, there was a whole episode based around him, but I like iCarly. Okay. Yeah, now I'm not so offended that you don't like Bo Burnham. And if you like iCarly, I, I, I can't really say that. I have you, have you watched iCarly? <laughs> uh, okay, have you well, watched iCarly? I suppose I haven't given it adequate attention to say that. iCarly is from the same game that brought you things like Keenan and Kel back in the day. <laughs> I mean, this guy's been writing good television. I'm, I'm serious, he is. I mean, this guy's been writing shows, sitcoms sort of things for Nickelodeon for a long time. Uh, who's the, the... Dan Schneider 
as uh, the creator of it, and he's done all sorts of stuff. He produced he produced all that, the greatest sketch comedy show from on Nickelodeon since Roundhouse. Uh, Kenan and Kel, The Amanda Show, What I Like About You, Drake and Josh, jo- uh, Zoe 101, iCarly, Victorious. I mean, these are staple shows on Nickelodeon, at least in my childhood. Hmm. And I don't think his quality is degraded that much. I didn't really like Drake and Josh because um, I thought it was too much like Kenan and Kel, except with white kids, which <laughs> I take issue with. And I did. But it was, it was a spinoff of The Amanda Show, which was a spinoff of all that. Now, give Uncle a chance. Yeah. It's better than Hannah Montana, and I like Hannah Montana. Oh, you like Hannah Montana? Well, no, I don't want to watch iCarly. Yeah, have white like is an interesting. Have movie. I watched Hannah Montana? Yes, yes, I have. I can say that. Hmm. That's classic yeah. Disney Channel. It, yeah. I'm not saying it's good, but it's fun. <laughs> You know, also Margaret, I, I have to say, um, if you listen to Kevin long enough, and I know, I know you have, you will eventually find many <laughs> things that you both agree wholeheartedly with him on and disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> with him on. <laughs> lots that, of people disagree with me on lots of things. Yes. And that's why we love you, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think, Kevin, you, you had something you wanted to say about the nature of fame. Oh, um, yeah. And, and sort of, you know, in, in starting this sort of comparison of, like, reality competition shows to YouTube fame, Jonathan Colton, love him. He's a great guy. I shook his hand. I got a picture with me and doing the face. And I was on stage with him, which was an amazing experience. Is internet famous? Yeah. Josh Groban was not on American Idol. Sorry, where did that name come from? Um, <laughs> pick a famous person from American Idol that's still famous. Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, thank you. The first. Kelly Clarkson would be a nobody without American Idol. Exactly. I mean, she may, be, she may have made Internet famous, but how many people know Kelly Clarkson versus how many people know Jonathan Colt? Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to, you know, this is... But you here's... You can be successful other ways, it, but yeah. this, is a, this is another way. Yeah. And, and here's my beef with that, with that reasoning, though. Like, at what point is fame valuable? And I think what, what Jonathan Colton and what, um, regrettably, Fred <laughs> and some of these other internet famous people have discovered is you don't have to be Kelly Clarkson famous, Lady Gaga famous, Michael Jackson famous to make it in, in this world. And, and by make it, I mean have a fan base who cares about you, who supports you, who buys your, your T-shirts and goes to your concerts and you know, everything so that, that all of these well, you know, megastars have. it goes back have. to the, um, the thousand true fans model. Sure. Um, yeah, once, I think it's a threshold. Once you reach that, you really, you know, everything on top of it is superfluous. It brings in complications like recording contracts and distribution and uh, almost, you know, cheapens fame once you, you have too much of it. Because, uh, I mean, be honest, how often does Kelly Clarkson, you know, really interact with her fans? Uh, you know, how, how often does she get to how often have can conversations? Bathe in a bathtub full of $100 bills. <laughs> but, I mean, okay. I mean, does. if she's in the that, I guess that's okay, but whatever. Um, I mean, that's, it, well, I mean, fame and money are, are not the same thing, but one can often get you the other. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you reach infamy, you got more problems. That means you probably killed somebody. Um, we, ne- we never use someone, never say someone's infamous if they were, you know, awesome. It's, right. You know, 
the infamous BTK killer or <laughs> Lorena Bobbitt is infamous. Kim Jong-il is infamous. They're not famous people. No. They're infamous. And, well, and I think fame is actually makes you more susceptible to infamy. I mean, because you've got like... Well, you know, your name's already out there. So the you, infamous you know, Charlie Sheen, you know, the infamous Tom Cruise. You know, these are, these are people that have, are mm-hmm. so exposed to the world that, you know, the, these horrible flaws in their lives have come out. And, and, you know, that makes you a target. If you rise so high that you are a, above everyone else, you're going to get shot down. And I think what, what uh, Jonathan Colton and what some of these other minor stars are doing is staying under the radar. They've got all the benefits of a fan base of, of that level of fame without all the complications of having the world looking at you constantly. I mean, am I right? Yeah. I don't know if they have all the, all the benefits of it, but a lot of benefits. A lot of the benefits. Maybe as many of the benefits as they want. I mean, uh, Margaret, what, what do you think of that? I don't... Well, okay... I guess I guess I'm wondering where we would say that the public eye is on them. Do, is, I I don't know. I like to think that the internet is like a was this like revolutionary thing and it's getting bigger and bigger. But the fact of the matter is that I, in reality, I don't. I guess it's not as big as I like to think it is because yeah. <laughs> these people, I don't know. They have as many subscribers as you can have, but we aren't considering them in the public eye. Like I mean, Bo Burnham. Plenty of people in the world don't know who he is. He's nowhere near as famous as like Tom Cruise or whatever. And yeah, I feel I guess, like I we're on I just... the cusp. The, we're, we're, that's changing. Like we're still in this era where there are enough people that grew up with just television that right. um, you know are still they still consider traditional media the be all end all of fame. And I right. think that it's going to take another generation to get to that point where fame is this sort of. Um, compartmentalized thing you, you know you've got your sphere of fame that goes as far as maybe your social graph but it's you know traditional media is going to bow ultimately to the fact that the internet and the internet stars are going to have more targeted influence maybe more effective influence than you know the biggest of distribution companies could ever afford them so but we're still living in a well, day when, when television your... is prime it goes to the same idea that you've talked about before. I don't know if it was on the show or somewhere else. I can't keep track of what you do <laughs> um, about narrow casting. Yeah. And, and it's sort of what we do here at Bad Philosophy. It's, would we love Tom Cruise fame? Yes. We would are we tickling the Bob long tail. Yeah, we, that's what we're doing of out course. here. Yeah. <laughs> the way I like to put it, and, and it's, this is unfortunately a twit reference, Kevin. I know you hate it. But uh, we're, we're, we're tickling the long tail. We're appealing to that, you know, small but existent uh, minority of, of people who like a very specific kind of content. And in doing so, we're, you know, we're doing all right. It's not like we're independently wealthy off of it, but we're feeding a need. And yeah, we're, we're, we're famous okay in our own that. right for that. You know, we just have a very small circle of fame um, akin to a local band or something. I don't even know if we're that famous. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've known some pretty obscure local bands that you know only have like ten or fifteen people come to their shows, and they're the same ten or fifteen people every time. Well, I don't know. Have we said everything we can say about this? At least that's dedicated. Yeah, dedicated fans are good. I'm certainly not a dedicated fan, although there are lots of dedicated. I'm not really a dedicated fan of any of those huge multi-fans actors. Mm. The only one that I would, I the only huge name that I would say I'm a 
I mean, there's a couple that I would say that I'm a, a true fan of, to use that terminology, but they're not people that are exceptionally famous. People like Kevin Smith, who, you know, I will see his stuff. I will buy all of his stuff. That's yeah. not going to change. Um, and then William H. Macy is another one that comes to mind. And I don't know if we've discussed my love for William H. Macy on this show, but it's certainly been discussed elsewhere. You know, I'm, I'm in man love with him. And, you know, <laughs> that, that's just the way it is. I, I think he's an incredible actor. But... Well, and it's really Again, not possible not, you know, to be hugely famous actors. Yeah, well, and I, I don't think it's possible to be fans in the same way of these super famous actors and actresses. I don't know. That, I, I would disagree. Michael Jackson certainly had his fans that were, uh, you know, that especially came out when he had all those allegations stuff that stood by him thick and thin. Yeah. That I would call for fans. People, okay. I mean, the man was the king of pop. I mean, that's a real thing. He he was the king in the same way that Elvis was the king before him. And, I mean, those, those people have fans that, that are true fans, whereas there are fewer true fans of, say, William H. Macy, mm-hmm. which is sad. He Mark just shot a pilot, though, for a new TV show. Oh, excellent. Well, keep us informed. I, I know you'll be, you'll be watching it closely, Kev. <laughs> I will. Um, well, Margaret, do you, do you feel like there are any major celebrities that you can consider yourself a true fan of? No, I really, I really don't. Well, um, no, no, I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't. Well, because I think, I think you lose some of the intimacy with when they're huge, when they're big names or whatever. And that is not as appealing to me. Maybe is the reasoning behind that. I don't Mm. know. So we want to feel close. We want to feel close to these celebrities. And I do think that like, like people like Michael Jackson, probably, I mean, they do have their true dedicated group of fans just, but there's also their, their name being so big means that there are also people who aren't as big of fans. Like, I mean, it's like the thing where when you're a huge fan of uh, one musician and suddenly one of their songs gets big and you, you stop being their fan because they're famous now, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Indeed. You know what I mean? Does it yes. know what I mean? Does oh, definitely. Sense? Yeah. Okay. Good. And that's interesting. I mean, you bring up, and it's a whole new subject that we can spend an episode on. But the that idea of of exhibitionism, and you know, maybe the 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 celebrities that reveal more about themselves, communicate closer with fans, you know, make those those very personal connections with with fans. We do feel closer to them, and there's sort of a genuineness and a and um, I don't know, a value there in that sort of interaction that you just can't get when the celebrities are far away and, um, you know, super rich and performing on mega stages for, you know, 50,000 people crowds and such. I'm, I'm going to pull up one more counter example just because I'm as contrary as I can be. All right. This will be the um, last one. <laughs> where I, I think, I think, um, and this is, that's a thing that we've been talking about, but um, Mike and Jerry... Jerry, from the, the guys from Penny Arcade, uh, yeah. Gabe and Tycho are their screen names, um, are guys who are internet famous, have true fans, and are also huge names. And, and I say this because of things like PAX and Child's Play. Um, you know, Penny Ar- or the Penny Arcade Expo is so big that they've now split it to an East Coast version and a West Coast version. Wow. Um, Child's Play has raised over you know, $1.7 million the last couple of years for these sorts of things. I mean, it's huge amounts of money, 
Um, no, they're not Kelly Clarkson famous, but they're certainly more famous than Jonathan Colton. Mm. Jonathan Colton doesn't sell out packs. The pack sells out, and so Jonathan Colton gets a huge crowd. <laughs> not that he doesn't deserve it, yeah. but it, it's that sort of difference. You know, you have $1.7 million raised this year for Child's Play, which was about that much last year. So these are guys that are... That are but they've taken internet fame and turned it into inter- traditional fame. I don't even know, I don't know that I would call it traditional fame. I mean, this is it is something different than, um, you know, even even famous fame. authors. You know, yeah. I would recognize I would recognize Stephen King walking down the street. I would go <gasps> and and <laughs> probably choke and die like I'm about to do right now. So yeah. <clears throat> I would do that because he's Stephen King, and I like his. I mean, no, he's not William Shakespeare, but he's Stephen King. Um, and while I might recognize. Jerry and Mike, it's Jerry, um, from Penny Arcade, I would have that response, but a larger portion of the population would not. So right. they kind of fit this middle ground, and I don't know if they're as famous as you can be from the internet alone, but I think they're a great case study of how famous you can be from the internet alone. Yeah. All right, well, we're, uh, we're kind of getting to the, the end of our, our time here on Bad Philosophy. I think we've Definitely touched on some good issues here in this show. Any uh, closing comments from you, Margaret? Uh, nope. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Done in traditional BF fashion. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, we sort of did some plugs up at the front, but we'll just do them again here at the end because we're, you know, I'm the old stickler for tradition. Um, Kevin, where can people uh, where can people follow you online on the interwebs? Uh, I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash kevsand, K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D Theoretically, I will once again update a Kevin review something every day if I ever think about it um, and my life isn't bogged down by bad school. I think you should rename it. Alright, cool. I I think you should rename your thing. The name is now ironic. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it was. It used to be accurate. Now it's ironic. So, so go with it. It's more like Kevin reviews um, something occasionally. <laughs> Carousel. Yeah, that's, that's what it really is. Um, but I'm also. I haven't written anything in the past month or so, but I'm trying to get more active on uh, Fickly.com, hmm. F-I-C-L-Y, um, which is a, a place for microfiction, um, short stories that are no more than ten, twenty-four characters long. Cool. <laughs> um, I think I'm pretty sure I'm there. Let me let me see if I have a good URL there because I like to plug my writing as well. All right. Well, while you're it's looking that up, my um, Margaret, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, well, I'm on YouTube, obviously. My username is just Margaret J U S T M A R G A R E T, and I'm on Twitter, Twitter.com slash slash it's just margaret because just margaret was taken oh, so i <laughs> yes so the same as my username only with its in front of it you didn't so, want to like uh throw a leap character in there or something like maybe one of the one of the a's could be a four. Oh yeah i could have done that i guess yeah oh well i maybe in a parallel universe okay i'm not kidding <laughs> I'm at sickly.com, F-I-C-L-Y.com, slash authors, slash Kevsand. Cool. Is my Fickly thing. Where I've won awards at Fickly. Ooh. I won the, um, 
I won the absolutely completely different Monty Python-based story award, as well as um, the Western um, Be a Cowboy Baby Challenge. Nice. So. Well, very congratulations, Kevin. Very nice. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I didn't realize I, I didn't realize I won that last one. I just checked it. Go me. <laughs> Go you indeed. Uh, well, thank you all both for joining us here on the show. I uh, hope you've enjoyed your your time here, Margaret. I did. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. And uh, Kevin, thank you for, for coming on once again. I know it's an odd time for you, but... Yeah, it's, this is the latest bad philosophy that I've ever recorded. Yeah. And uh, finally... Oh, you know what? I don't think it is, Kevin. I just want to correct you on that, because um, the one with Plato went pretty late. Did it? Yeah. Okay. yeah it, well, that was only because... That was because you lost the frickin' episode. Yeah, but I just want to... I want to make sure you're the record's straight. <laughs> this is not the latest BF you've ever recorded. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's finally, one of the latest. <laughs> yes, one of the latest. Put it in the top three. And finally, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter at twittercom Torrance, S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. You can follow the show at twittercom philosophy. And uh, oh, I, I guess because we're we're talking about this whole internet fame thing, you can become a fan of me on Facebook at facebookcom Stephen with a ph. <coughs> Well, we thank y'all for listening. Uh, We hope you all get famous someday in your own way. And we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. Shoeless Joe was finished, but he couldn't quite admit it. So he raised his middle finger up above the other four. Kennesaw took careful aim and fired a single bullet. And he shot that dirty finger off and dropped his trusty gun. Everybody in the stand knew that he had won. And today they still refer to him as Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Um, yes, Margaret, it is so worth it going to see Jonathan Colton. Are you kidding me? Okay, well, that was it was sort of a lackluster response. You were like, eh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've seen I'm him not. twice and performed with him on stage. I have no idea what it, <laughs> what it means to watch him from a balcony. Try not to sound uh-huh. so conceited when you say that. <laughs> well, I've seen him twice and performed with him on stage, so the balcony wouldn't really be the same. <laughs> so, see. I mean, for you common plebeians, the balcony will be acceptable. <laughs> This is what you sound like, Stephen. <laughs> Badphilosophy.com What the hell are we going to do on the moon?